Had all the hallmarks of a um of a Friday bomb. Good story, good story, good story. Last story on the on the fourth page. With your business update. What, what at face value you look like a few bombs. Why has Gang Feng agreed to this? God, is there so much word on the decline these days? Right, g'day, Money Miners. Monday, 19th of June. I'm really putting effort into the voice. Sorry, boys, I haven't been too much of a help today. Puff's 50th yesterday. <laughs> I got led astray by the underground mining community to uh, two of the, uh, the one of the jump, one of the great jumbo duos in Australian mining, Kit Kat and Casper. They sound like underground Kit mining. Kit Kat and Casper. That is their They can't name. be the real name. That is, I don't think that's their, on their birth certificate, but they've uh, led me astray. Shout out to the boys. Shout out friends to Kit Kat the, friends, of the, friends of the show. <laughs> name of a chocolate and name of a ghost. I know. They are very enigmatic. Boys, how was the weekend? Stella. Good, mate. And yours, double header, triple header? Yeah, no, I had a bit going on. I had a bit going on. Camborne School of Mines event, followed by 50th the next day. Ah, BD. Yeah, no, nah, it wasn't at all. I did a strategic smoke bomb buck, so I didn't want to be. I wanted to be present in some form today, but I'm here. Look at you go, mate. Mate, we're, we're I'm on the road for the rest of the week. When you're a bit, when you're a bit shady with your voice, it, the extra strine comes out. I reckon it's strine. Like, that yeah. is the word. Am I going to dial in from Sydney and Melbourne? I don't know if you'll be in good enough shape. Yeah, you might have to get me. Jeez, I don't know when a good when yeah. a good time is. We might oh, that'd be mid. It'd be mid Arvey when you're recording. So about three o'clock, I'll be probably a few beers deep. Yeah, yeah you I reckon. Have your hands full. I reckon we might dial you in to just get like a few snippets of of how tanked you are, and then <laughs> yes. and yes. we'll play that for the fans. But um, I'm not counting on you to be participating in the show, mate. I'll have it, <laughs> but mate, at the Gold Series events, I will be getting some good word on the decline. Oh That's yeah, it. so I will send it through. So I'm I'm going to dial in. I reckon. I look forward to it. Right, boys, let's get into it, mate. We got we got oh, we got a little a lot of little everything bit of everything today, don't we? There's a lot of news. Big ones, the min res thing. That's what we're getting really into, eh, Trav? We are, yeah. We're, we're doing well, a semi deep dive on the on the min res announcement that dropped Friday after market. We love spending our Mondays doing a, a discussion about the Friday after market topic, don't we? Yes, very much so. I look forward to it. Right, let first up. Rumours are that First Quantum has bumped back Barrett Gold's informal takeover attempt. So First Quantum there, where are they traded? Can, can I, Canada? Yeah, in, in North America. So. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. so they jumped over 10% on this news. Yeah, so us in Australia would know they've got the Ravensthorpe nickel asset, but they've got yeah. a bunch of mines, you know, in Africa, Europe, uh, Central America and South America. So they churned out almost 800 thousand tons of copper last year as well Ooh. as almost three hundred thousand ounces of gold plus some nickel as well so huge and like you said most interesting barrack in for them the gold so, company mate yeah that that really just goes with the the theme that we've been talking about quite a bit just co- copper consolidation across the world so it's super super interesting i think we're gonna see more of it obviously like you said first quantum uh bumped the um bumped back the offer straight away so what do you guys make of it, mate? Do well, here's the theory, mate. Is there are they making a play at Medallion? <laughs> they're getting into Ravensthorpe and they're taking control of the infrastructure and they'd be knocking on Paul Bennett's door. I reckon this is the big play here. It's the classic buy the twenty five billion dollar company to get the twenty Just million get dollar company. Yeah. I, I like your yeah. line of thinking. I think the more logical take on this one, Maddie, <laughs> is that um, gold companies want copper. Uh, yeah. You know, we, I mean, we've seen it in a pretty big way with, you know, Newmont, Newcrest that um, 
it's they're getting a huge amount of copper in their portfolio now and that's been a strategy for a few years um and barracks joining the party on that one we'll wait and see so potential other sweeters if they've knocked it back or they're waiting for an improved offer Who's to say? They're not even really engaging at the moment. So, so maybe, they've, they've obviously come in the front door and had a given a, a proposal. But yeah. They've knocked it back. Nothing, nothing was on market for this, on market announced, was it? No. It's all just, yeah. Front door friendly. Yeah, trying to engage with, with the management team there. I, there think, I think the theme it sort of speaks to as well is, like, are the gold majors preempting a bit of ESG backlash in the future and getting copper in your portfolio is a way to prevent the future backlash that might come you know and, and investment from funds overseas yeah. i've heard uh yeah. comments that you know a lot of a lot of big funds aren't investing as much into gold now as they used to compared to what they're putting into the future facing metals yeah and we've so, we've seen the, the you know the derating in all of the uh fossil fuel stocks over over time and gold is sort of it's not there yet but is it the next commodity off the rank to sort of experience a derating because you can argue that um it's a huge amount of energy for not much social good i mean you know that's a debate to have right but um yeah i i think it's a defensive move in to try and mitigate um mitigate a potential outcome there beauty i'm actually happy with my con- contribution being a bit seedy, I reckon I can pull this off, lads. Right, let's keep going. Now, Linus, so they've provided an update on the commissioning and operation of the new Cal processing facility. So fourth stage in this four-stage commissioning process. What's happening here, lads? This is their big new, I guess you'd say, downstream facility. Yeah, it was a quick one, just a one-page announcement. They're still expecting first production there of their mixed uh, rare earth carbonate by August. They did sort of flag... A couple hiccups that they've seen, so that's sort of relating to staffing, to the waste gas treatment, as well as sort of on-site gas supply. There was not too much colour around those things. All they did say was that it's sort of within expectations. Yeah, I I remember this one. They were first um, guiding – I think they were initially guiding for first production to be, um, you know, almost like – immediately in the in the second half and and we saw them come out with that extension in their cracking and leaching license in malaysia which goes all the way through to december so they have a bit more flex absolutely so So that that mitigates almost all of the like importance around the the timing of this like obviously Mm. they still want to get it up and running smoothly but they don't have the same pressure now that they came out with like a month ago the update from the Malaysian government's stance on the cracking and leaching facility. One one interesting thing with um, you know this is the Kalgoorlie processing facility, right? So Linus ended up choosing Kalgoorlie as as the place to put this processing facility because of they, they struck this water supply agreement with the city of Kalgoorlie Boulder. So the city collects a bunch of water and that water is um, like the, the rainfall, local rainfall. It all goes into this dam called the Piccadilly Dam. And then that water is basically used for the golf course and the school lawns and some park lawns. Um, and so the city of Kalgoorlie Boulder struck a deal with Linus to provide a bunch of that water um, to, to their facility that was being developed. Now, keep in mind, this facility hasn't even been turned on yet and it's a water-intensive process to separate rare earths. It hasn't even been turned on yet, just the construction phase. And that dam ran out of water last summer. So um, they had to cut back the, the water going to the golf course, the schools and everything. So might, there might be a bit of um, community goodwill that Linus and the, needs to do because I expect that to continue. When, when they start pinching the water off the golf course and that dries out. Yeah, and the schools, <laughs> mate. School lawn. Yeah. 
Right, uh, now heading again overseas. British Columbia's Supreme Court have approved the Hud Bay Minerals takeover of Copper Mountain. So yeah. Copper Mountain, the C6C. Exactly, not entirely overseas. They did have a listing down here, but that's being oh, wrapped up. Yeah, yep. so that'll that'll delist shortly. It was a CDI, oh, yeah. and that'll wrap up shortly. We saw a bit of wild action in the share prices last week. In um, Hud Bay had some sort of significant movements, but uh, Copper Mountain was jumping all over the shop by you know twenty thirty percent over the space of a couple of days down so is that, and, is that down p- and back up. Is that potentially because the takeover hadn't? been approved yet and there were other people looking at it or what what would you think hard to say i couldn't draw too many conclusions from that was it just the asx cdi it was it was mainly the cdis that were pretty pretty volatile and um hud bay ticked up quite a bit as well and obviously a part of that transaction will be in stock from my understanding so did they did they go up 20 or 30 and then come back down down then back up yeah interesting yeah right Centaurus. So this is interesting. CTM. So they've put an announcement out saying they've acquired the offtake rights for its Jaguar projects in Brazil. So these, I guess, offtake rights were with Vale, who they purchased the. They purchased it off Vale, didn't they? Purchased yeah. So they they got the big Jaguar nickel project. It's in um, heading towards. It's it's in the development phase. Nearly a million ton of contained nickel there. So. Big project, big nickel sulfide project. So, boys, explain to me because you know you for it's they're up um, up today. I think they're up nearly eleven percent in early trade. So, like first reading it, you say, oh, okay, they've they've bought the offtake rights, so they haven't um, Vale haven't got the offtake, but it it says it opens them up to potential other funding. But look, how does it work? Do they not? technically not have an offtake now how does this all work because it's obviously it's a positive announcement but yeah i think the way educate to, me the way to think about this would be that obviously like you said they'd got the asset from vale the iron ore major in brazil to start with and this was sort of a, a box you know a bit of a cloud hanging over the the head of the stock and something that they just needed to check off so so like you said they've bought that the funding here and what they're going to do is pay more of a royalty down the track. So this means that it's now theirs to negotiate with potential OEMs, you know, battery makers, car manufacturers, who's going to get the ultimate nickel sulfite product at the end, how they can go about financing this. So they're at that uh, that stage where they're looking for financing for the project and this gives them more control about how they can bring in those funds. And obviously it's sort of reduces the MPV of the project slightly because they're going to have to give a few a bit of that future cash flow to Vale. Oh, the royalty. So is that is that saying that their arrangement they previously had didn't – there wasn't much value upside because they couldn't so – uh, Vale would have to finance it as well because they had the offtake? Or well, well, some of the commentary I'd seen in relation – this the, the offtake was a real criticism at – Centaurus and and uh, I'd say it's a quote unquote um, Vale had them by the balls in the offtake arrangement. So I think this just it quashes that critique that was in there in the market. They've had to pay up for that, right? Like it's a it's a decent sized royalty that they've had to forego. To yeah, get- so it's two percent on the nickel sulfate, but on the positive side, you might argue that no more cash from today is going out the door, no more shares have been issued. So it's something they sort of had to address and they've done it. That's why I think the market is looking at the bright side of things. And it's 2% on the net, isn't it? The net, net revenue? O- net operating royalty. 
Right, get on to Sheffield. So Sheffield's Thunderbird project in the Kimberley, that's 90% complete from a construction perspective with commissioning set to begin second half of this year. So this is their JV with Yansteel. Trav, this sounds like your territory, It Sheffield. is, mate. Mineral sands. Oh, I, I, love, love, I love my industrial minerals. Um, yeah, mate. So there, um, this like it's an interesting one, right? This was a sort of a project for a long time. There was a lot of skepticism that would ever get you know financed and produced, and Sheffield figured out a way to make that all happen. It involved Yan still coming on board as a JV partner, um, and them jointly funding funding it. And um, you know now now it's ninety percent complete. Commissioning's underway. They're going to produce a zircon concentrate and also a magnetic concentrate um so i mean it's, it's exciting right it's a bit more um of those funky commodities popping up and this time in the kimberley of all places uh and it's it's yeah it's an interesting one to see see developed i think it was um the development costs are about 500 million so it's a, a pretty substantial project up there is this the zircon that goes into the cheap rings cubic <laughs> zirconia or is it different i think it is different <laughs> but it could be i mean it could be like God, all you tight um, asses out there that buy your by engagement rings with cubic zirconia, Jesus Christ. Another interesting one to to follow in the in the space is Strandline, the Coburn asset. So they're they're a bit ahead. They've I think they came out a couple of weeks ago saying they've made the sixth shipment. So they're in that ramp up phase with their mineral sands project as well. And they're they're getting beaten up a bit by the market. They've come off a bit. I think they just want to see that they can get through, get the processing and everything going well. But in a in a similar sort of arena as Sheffield. I think they might have a the, the final products that they're shipping might actually be different um, as well. I mean, yeah, like you, you either, like in, in Sheffield's case, there's a, a, the dominant product here is a Zircon Con. You get different payabilities depending on yeah. grades and all that sort of stuff and all the products look a bit different. So I, I'll have to look into Strandline, mate. Right. Now this one is going to, this one's interesting. Lake Resources, LKE. So they've come out announcing a delay to the DFS for their, uh, God, catchy, khaki, how do you pronounce it, Trav? Oh. K-A-C-I-H-I-E. Argentinian, isn't it? Yes. God, yeah. Anyway, that one. <laughs> Kachi Lithium Project. So now this one's interesting. There was a there was a very we're gonna and the wait for the last bit of this little analysis, because this is even more interesting. So it's like it's like a brine, it's a lithium brine project, but bit It's DLE. DLE, so direct lithium. Um, extraction, I think it stands for, and yeah. The, what is that, Trav? Mate, the jury is is um, still out on, you know, that technology. Um, the the re- like the the real experts in the lithium market say that, you know, by the end of the decade, we'll have commercially viable DLE, but it's it's very much unproven on a on a commercial level at this stage. But that's the the mechanism of extracting um, and producing lithium here. I suppose for for the punters that don't know. I guess the difference between lithium brine and lithium hard rock. So you could compare it to nickel laterite and nickel sulfide. So most of the lithium in the world is contained within these lithium brine deposits in South America, but very hard to process. Very similar concept to laterites and sulfides. Yeah, I'd say the difference in that analogy is I think the laterites have a higher unit cost. The pitch for the DLE is that you will have lower unit costs yeah. um, in, in the long run. I mean, it's, it's easy to put that in a study and have a number saying it, that'll be the case. But in reality, when it all pans out, you never quite know. Because they're like, God, this like resources are like a one and a half billion dollar company a year yeah. and a bit ago though. ASX 200 but, member, I think. Yeah, which then obviously got all the indexes and that buying it, drove it up more and right. So 
now they're well, they're down twelve percent in early trade. So I think as much as sixteen percent now. Yeah, right. So yeah. then, okay. So okay, go over the I guess what the delays are. CapEx and all that. Yeah, mate. So they came out, they announced a delay to the DFS. It was before it was supposed to come out mid-year. Now now it's not coming out until December. I think it had already been pushed back um, before that as well. And alongside this announcement of a delay, they've also come out saying that they're going to do a staged CapEx pathway. So, you know, they'll they'll do stage one of 25,000 tonnes per annum LCE and stage two, another 25,000 tons per annum. Um, the really interesting part though is they actually, their announcement includes some internal estimates um, for CapEx and they're guiding towards US 1.1 to 1.5 billion for stage one alone now, Jeez. returning an IRR of between 17 and 24%. And the footnote in that, um, in those numbers actually says that it excludes the capital cost of grid connection. Now, with the last time they put out a capex number, it was in the 2020 PFS, um, and that quoted startup capital of of uh, 544 US million dollars. So, wow, so it's a it's a big potentially triple, potentially triple. Yeah. Now, okay. The other bit that was announced <laughs> today about the CEO, this was uh, yeah. very interesting. Three announcements, right? One was um, one was a. a like a presentation the other one was just the, the update and then another one not marked market sensitive was surprised this one didn't come out friday Harvey. <laughs> well you can bury it with the other news yeah um uh the ceo david dixon he he's reached a settlement with the sec um he's agreed to pay a one hundred thousand dollar penalty for indirectly causing mcdermott so this is a, a different company that um he, he had some work with um, for indirectly causing McDermott in the second quarter of 2018 to maintain incorrect books and records um, and to file an inaccurate quarterly report. And I think the, I think the terminology in it is not confirming or denying it, but he's just, he's paying the fine. Yep. So. Yep. I mean, (laughs) that stuff's fascinating, right? Uh, And this is like, it was reported in the AFR, I think in June last year that, um, the the MD had, had sort of suddenly, well, the MD at the time had, had quit um, quit his job as MD, re- resigned from the board and then the following day had sold $10 million of, of stock as well. So uh, interesting stuff in the leadership here. We'll keep watching it. We will. Right, now let's get our felt me voice dropping a bit there. So I'm going to re-pump it up. Pantoro. So they've refinanced their debt facility. I guess Pantoro have been another, I guess, a... A developer under stress financially hasn't been the best ramp up. What's going on here? This was a condition of their merger with Tuller. Correct, mate. Yeah. yeah. And they merged with Tuller and raised, um, I think it was 90 million bucks at the same time because they were having these ramp up issues. And I think the only way they could make that capital raising all to come, come together was consolidating the project and putting it all under the one name. And so they're merging with Tuller, their JV partner at Norseman. Um, one of the conditions, like you mentioned, was a refinancing of they both had these separate debt facilities. So this new facility that they've come out with today um, is US $37 million or, or Aussie $55 million equivalent. It's split between a term loan and a convertible. The term loan is priced at SOFA plus 8%. So that gets you to about 13% at the moment. Um, and this is like that. I find this stuff really interesting because quite often – when you look at the terms of repayment on a finance facility, 
that gives you some information about what management's expectations might be about how long it might take for things to become cash flow positive. Um, and in this case, the way that the repayments have been structured is with a 12-month interest-only period, then followed by straight line amortization over the following three years. So I look at that and I think I'm not quite sure if the read-through on that is an expectation that positive cash flow could still be a little while away for Pantoro. Is, is SOFA plus 8% like a 13% rate? Is that pretty bloody high? Or is yeah. that SOFA yeah, plus Yeah, it's high. That's high. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, it's a high-risk project, right? Yeah. Right. Albemarle back in the news. Not about Lion Town, or maybe it will be eventually. Uh, they've paid $30 million bucks for Lithium Power Internationals, their LPI, uh, their portfolio of Western Australian exploration assets. So no resource, a lot of ground, but and they've paid thirty million bucks. Exactly that, mate. Interesting. Yeah, and Albemarle. Oh, and we talked about last week. Albemarle, possibly Gina. A bit of word on the decline of how this is all going to work. Yep. Yeah, it plays into that theme. LPI were going to uh, demerge this portfolio and, and and IPO it, but they said. You know, they've, they've just gone with the, the sale of them instead, um, given sort of prevailing market conditions in the IPO market at the moment. So uh, 30 million bucks cash seems like a, a good outcome there. But the interesting thing is Albemarle sort of, yeah, like continuing that trend of willing to sell, acquire assets, similar to the Kathleen Valley sort of offer there. We'll talk about them a bit more later on. Obviously, they're up with Minrez up in Wajana and, and Camerton. yeah. Right. New IPO hitting the... Hitting the market today, lads. This is uh, – I've bring this one to the table, I've felt. True North Copper, TNC. So, interesting. Up in north, far northwest Queensland, near Cloncurry, up that way. So, Tembo Capital, 30% shareholder. Um, raised – so, they've raised $37 bucks. So, they've acquired the high-grade copper cobalt mount oxide project – They've paid $46 million bucks for that, for bought it off Perillia. So $30 million of the raise is going towards that. <clears throat> $15 million is a deferred cash payment, which is not conditional on production. It's a time one. Just, so Just deferred, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that Mount Oxide asset is just north of 29 metals, Capricorn Copper, pretty much adjacent to it. And their other asset is the Copper Gold uh, Curry Hub, which is, so they've got like a copper flotation plant for the sulfides. They've got a solvent extraction crystal plant for the oxide and heap, heap leach pads. So they looks like they're putting, they're putting money back in to get that back up and going and to process some oxide stockpiles. So first sales of copper sulfate expected late June, early July from processing these stockpiles. So impressive copper hits at this Mount Oxide project. So 12 metres at 15.3%. 31 metres at 6.2 and 22, uh, 22 metres at 6.3%. They were down a, a bit deeper, but um, yeah, one to, one to watch. One to watch, mate. One to watch in the copper, copper space, especially with the um, proximity to 29 metals, Capricorn copper infrastructure. And we know 29 metals are under a bit of stress. Yeah, it's an interesting one. You say raising 37 million, I think, oh, they're going to be well-funded to be able to Not poke a lot, of, a lot of holes in the ground, but 30 going straight out the door. So and then six of it's going into, I think three's going into the restart studies and then three's going into the mill refurb. I think there's only about one million 
left for the actual exploration, exploration drilling. So whether they're going to try and uh, get, yeah, further further raisings later on, or wait to get the revenue from processing these stockpiles. Yeah, to be able to fund, fund a bit of exploration. exploration. Yeah, so, we'll see. Um, yeah, no, they definitely haven't got shitloads left over. So, right, let's get on to Minres. Bit of a deep dive. What's going on here, boys? So, they put an announcement out late Friday. Uh, there's a bit of um, information at the back of it. Yeah, it an interesting one. Interesting. So, Minres, you know, obviously run by Chris Ellison, pretty well known in and around Perth, and they've just been a great story since they listed fifteen odd. Years ago, so they're now kept at like fourteen billion. Chris has got a real nice house, apparently. Large. I, I have read that in the newspaper too. Yeah. So um, they they've got a bit of an interesting business model. They started purely focused on the mining services sort of business, and I think people kind of don't know what bucket to put them into now because they've got iron ore mining services <laughs> now developing a huge lithium business, and we've seen all the headlines gas. over the exactly over the past half year them getting into into gas in the Perth Basin and whatnot. So that did lead to a bit of discussion about potentially spinning things out late last year when, when lithium was going a bit crazy, but they haven't gone ahead with any of that. So we might just give a bit of an update, obviously talk about the announcement that came out late on Friday and yeah, see what else is going on at the business. Because like I said, I think it's one people sort of struggle to wrap their head around at times. And we have spoken about them briefly. About a month ago, they got in with that blocking stake that we touched on again last week at Essential Metals and they stopped the uh, the, the tie-up and takeover from the Tianchi JV at Essential. So, And they were buying, as Flano said on Friday, they, mm-hmm. they were buying on market for Delta Lithium as well. Exactly. We'll, so. we'll get into that too. So they come out with an announcement late on Friday. Now, for the three of us, that just sort of sets the alarm bells off, I think. So they come out with an exploration and lithium business update. Oh, they might have just finished it then. Yeah. You never yeah. know. Well, the way it was structured <laughs> as well, right? <laughs> like it was, it had all the hallmarks of a, um, of a, of a Friday bomb. It was like, good story, good story, good story. Last story on the, on the fourth page, lith- like lithium business update, which, you know, had, had a, what at face value looked like a few bombs. Yeah. So, we won't focus on the gas. We're going to look into what really caught our eye, which is the lithium part of the announcement. As a sort of quick reminder, Wajana Mine is a 50-50 JV with Albemarle up in the Pilbara. The Mount Mariam asset that they've got uh, sort of 40Ks from Kalgoorlie, a, J- a JV with Gangfeng. Now, they've also got the interest in the Kemerton hydroxide plant. And earlier this year, they announced an investment to buy 50% of a couple different processing plants up in China. And uh, Chris was quite vocal about uh, us needing more government support to produce more assets in Australia because it's just so much cheaper to do it in South America or in Asia. So I think, and expanding on what we talked about last week with, um, you know, the Albemarle bid for Liontown, potentially Gina uh, coming in that, but you look at the relationship that uh, Minres has with Albemarle, with both the Kemerton and Wajina projects. Yeah, he speaks Very with them. Very much in cadoots. Exactly. He speaks about Albemarle in quite glowing terms and they've done a lot of business together. So there was a huge announcement earlier this year about how they're sort of restructuring their relationship but it's it's continued on you know they've um like i said just before gone in that jv into china is 50 50 with albemarle again into all those processing plants so what stood out about the lithium announcement today to us was 
Firstly, terminating the spodramine tolling treatment uh, agreement with Gangfeng. Reduced guidance at Mount Marion. They're sort of easing expectations at Wadrana, saying they'll be the lower end of guidance, as well as a cost increase for guidance there. And then that commissioning at the Mount Marion plant, the upgraded Mount Marion plant, is underway. So they've upgraded that plant from 450,000 tonnes to 900,000 mm. tonnes. It really poses a couple of questions, right? Like when you when you digest it all. And I think those those two questions, especially baked into that lithium market update is like, A, how is ramp up at Wadjana tracking? Um, and and I, I think, you know, time will tell. We saw, what did we see? We saw um, higher costs and, and lower volumes being guided in, in this announcement. So, um, like, I, I just think we're going to have to wait to see how that really pans out. And the, and the second question is, like, what does that cancelled off-take agreement with Ganfeng actually mean? And why was it cancelled? I think to answer that question, Maddie, you know, I think we, we, we first sort of took a look at what, what are the economics of that off-take that are being cancelled? And what, what, what we can find is that, so MinRes has a 51% off-take share of spodumene concentrate produced. Ganfeng buys MinRes's share of spodumene at a price linked to the value of the converted lithium hydroxide based on an agreed conversion ratios. Revenue under the tolling agreement is recognised as the achieved price less the cost of production, excluding central costs. So the economics to MinRes depend on the value of the lithium hydroxide chemicals produced. So I think it's interesting when you look at the last quarterly that the average price achieved on the lithium battery chemicals for Mount Marion was US $54,000 versus um, US $75,000 for Wajana per tonne. Yeah, super fascinating. And to be clear, that's for lithium hydroxide that they're converting spodumene into hydroxide up in China. Correct. Uh, and I think, yeah, like it's important that we, we keep in mind that the grade of the spodumene concentrate coming out of Mount Marion is quite low. It's in the March quarter, it was 3.8%. That's, you know, versus the, the industry standard of a, of a 6%. Yeah, and the guidance price. numbers will be in SC6 equivalent often to try and equate it. Totally. And, to, you know, more to I your... Think, I think Pilbara Minerals, they're five and a... Are they five and a half, their concentrate? It's yeah, you're 5. seeing... 5, I think. You're seeing a lot at that lower 5% sort of figure lately. Yeah. It's also just worth pointing out to your question before, Maddie, that this tolling agreement, it was set to expire at the end of this calendar year anyway. So there, there were a few question marks about what, what this all means. You know, they didn't provide an awful lot of colour. It was only three or four paragraphs on what's going on. So we just sort of pulled a few uh, research notes that we sort of found from Macquarie and, and the likes and try to see what they really made of this termination of the Gangfang agreement. So Macquarie, the terminated tolling agreement with Gangfang will be accretive for Minres. Morgan Stanley, they're saying the termination will likely provide relief on potential losses. Baron Joey, the parties also confirmed no payments will be made under the agreement for calendar year 23, which effectively prevents a greater than 100 million Aussie dollar EBITDA loss that Min would have incurred in the second half of FY23, so this half year. City saying, we expect MinRes likely to revisit toll processing at more competitive terms, but note they will need to find a converter to take Mount Marion's low-grade approximately 3% concentrate stream. And also a, a tweet from Joe Larry, who's quite well known in the lithium space, just questioning was this short-sighted or strategic? 
is the Minres decision a blunder by Chris Ellison or another masterstroke? So, so why, why the Baron Joey comment? So they said no payments will be made under the agreement, which effectively prevents a loss of $100 million EBITDA. How does that work? Why is that? Explain I th- that. I think in simple terms, the gist is that to convert this from spodumene to hydroxide wasn't worth the, the cost plus whatever the tolling agreement cost them to do. It was just too expensive. So now they, in the last line, I think of the announcement, say they're just going to continue to sell Gangfang the spodumene concentrate. Okay. But that poses a question, right? Like, um, so, so it's only the conversion that's being cancelled, not the actual sale, the offtake of the concentrate. It's their, their share of the conversion into the hydroxide. Yeah, the toll okay. trading agreement. Yeah. yeah, they're now selling that concentrate, presumably still to Ganfeng, but yeah. at prevailing market prices rather than um, at a, an agreed price with a, you know, some additional revenue structured around the, the, the downstream lithium chemicals. And is this a function of the hydroxide price coming off recently or that they weren't getting the margin on it anymore? Even if it was, right, like it still poses the question, like why, why has Gangfeng agreed to this if it's purely accretive to Minres? Like why, why would Gangfeng agree to it? Um, uh, you know, like maybe like you, you raised the point, JD, that maybe it's just maintaining the relationship or, or maybe there's something more that's not directly apparent when you look at it at face value. Because did we discuss last week or, I don't know, Flano mentioned it or we were talking about it, that at these lower lithium prices really um, is a disadvantage to the downstream processing of lithium. They Yeah, I did hear that the processors, the, the ones who convert it into hydroxide, are hurting a bit. So, I mean, there's a whole host of sort of follow-on questions that we'll kind of get to. But like Trav said, are they trying to maintain the relationship is there something a bit more that meets the eye? Like it's hard to imagine that Gangfang are just, you know, giving money away. The, the, so. the market price, which you, you mentioned there, Maddie, um, is what Chris Allison sort of attributes it to in his, um, his quote in the announcement. He says, the early termination of the Mount Marion Toll trading agreement um, with Gangfang is a sensible outcome given prevailing market prices with our world-class lithium assets well-placed to capitalise on growing demand. So a couple other takeaways, not totally related to the lithium pricing, but the industry cost pressures aren't subsiding at all. So obviously that relates to the guidance increase at Wajana. We've spoken about it with Lake earlier today, um, Hastings last week, Liontown. The cost pressures, especially across WA, continue to be an issue for a whole host of different miners. Yeah. I mean, and the other thought I had, JD, was um, just in relation to, to the ramp up at Wajana, uh, I think um, Minres didn't exactly hit it out of the park with Mount Marion. Ramp up wasn't smooth. I don't think they ever got the grade that they were hoping and expecting to get out of Mount Marion um, at the concentrate level. And, you know, is the verdict still out for how ramp up is tracking at Wadjana given um, high, like higher costs and and um, and lower volumes? You know, I think we, we're just going to have to wait there. Yeah, oh, that, that ramp up grade issue, was that – I remember hearing, was it something to do with the – the ore, ore sorting or the like how the dilution was affecting the lithium do you are you up on that at all i'm not totally across it but i think you're right so it'd be interesting yeah. to see that they kept the the plant fully functional whilst doubling um production so it's now nine hundred thousand tons like we said so it'd be interesting to see if that you know um alleviates any potential issues they were they were sort of having there oh well, it's going to be bloody once again like long term this is a massive project 
Yeah, and, and I think that's scratching the surface at the moment. That's the view that um, Minrez has, and that really sort of feeds into the the next point that we kind of had. Uh, what they spoke about at the the higher points of this announcement that they're just really getting started on drilling. They haven't done much drilling over the past couple of years at all, and there is still upside at Mount Marion. Yeah, and then because you got the blocking stake in Essential, so that's in that, and then you've got look. Bald Hill, that's the one that everyone keeps talking about in that region. Seems to be start. There's potential for another little lithium region. Well, word on the region. decline is that that Bald Hill will, you know, become um, up for sale at, towards the back half of this year. And yeah. I imagine Minres would have their their eyes on that one, Maddie. Mm, I think a few people would because Bald Hill is that that's sort of a real flagship project. Like it's a real high potential no, uh, big it, project or oh it's, it's it's so it's a an existing mine not too far from Kalgoorlie. It's probably not as good as Mount Marion. Okay. I think the real attraction is, and has been for a while, that it is an existing mine. So while lithium prices were so high, you know, it wouldn't be like the potential buyer would have to develop it and go through the whole works. And why, why is that one stalled? Why is it going up for sale? Administration, was it? It had issues coming out of the back of the last lithium price crash and it's just been tied up in courts. From my understanding, it's, it's pretty hard to find actual information it's on what's Chinese going on. Chinese-owned at the moment, yeah. privately. But it's operating, it? yeah. Yeah, sounds... Um, Sounds like an easy sale. Not. Right, let's tie it up then. Where's Minrez have been? They've been in the news a bit. They've been on this podcast mentioned a bit by people as well, which is the news, the mining news, everyone. Yeah, they have. So Let's tie it all together with what's happening. Where are they? What's it looking like? The big play is here. Yeah, it won't be the, the neatest tie-up because there's a lot of different assets flying around, a lot of different stakes and companies, but we can just sort of rattle them off. Flano mentioned last week that um, – There'd been uh, Ellison buying stock in Delta Lithium, that is. We'd seen them owning roughly 20% of essential metals. We also saw a recent farming commitment with Marquis. Um, they've also got another farming agreement with Pantoro in the region. They've got a minority stake in Global Lithium. Uh, we, we spoke about the Bolt Hill angle. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of these minority stakes and farming agreements um, in that sort of Eastern Goldfields lithium hub that's emerging, Maddie. And then, uh, as we mentioned, the gas because it's a but that gas the what was it Norwest, um, but that a lot of that was to supply gas to their operations up north, wasn't it? That was the big play that that gas will be used to power their iron ore and lithium I think that's operations. The, the understanding that the market had had, yeah. And what okay? What about the downstream side of things, Jada? You listen to the investor calls and everything. You were right, pretty much. You were in the room with Mr. Ellison, essentially. So I think there's just one more thing to say because there had been sort of some conjecture about, oh, maybe they're not going downstream, and you only need to listen to five minutes of the the latest investor call that they had a couple months ago to sort of rebut that. In almost every other you know paragraph and statement about lithium. They are very firm on wanting to go downstream and capture that value. And the actions obviously always speak louder than words. And we saw them earlier this year go 50-50 with Albemarle in China. So they're still looking. And Chris has, of course, been pretty vocal on saying that, yes, things are expensive to do in Australia. But whether that's trying to get Australian government support, they're still looking to go downstream and capture more of that value over the next 10 and 20 years for that lithium business. So they sold down their Kemerton Stake. They went from 40 to 15% ownership in Kemerton. Yeah, but they're, they're going long downstream in China. Yeah, they increased their stake in Wajina and invested in the Albemarle processing facilities in China. So who? So what's the structure of Kemerton now? Albemarle, 85, Minres, 15? Yeah, that's right. Ah, uh, right. 
you go. And that's completely. When did that happen? Oh, I missed that one. A couple of months ago, and that's completely fed from the Greenbush's assets. So it makes more sense with Wajana's dirt being sent up to China, and then Albemarle feeling uh, feeding their own dirt from Greenbush's into the Kemington uh, hydroxide plant. Oh, good work, JD. Wake up, Matt. Bloody hell, you're supposed to be running mining news here. Um, all good, eh? Good work, lads. Oh, good. Quite plenty, plenty more to watch out for. God, it's, there's so much word on the decline these days. There is like, when's when, what's the next deal to drop? You reckon? Oh, if you're going to put a bet on right R- now, Romelius uh, Musgrave. Romelius Musgrave. They come Ooh. in over the top of West Coast. I, I got no info on that. I'm just uh, speculating. What about you, Well, my last punt, I think, when you last asked us six weeks ago, was that Comacow was going to get bought by Sandfire, and we've seen a couple more rumours. And obviously, First Centia have assets all through that, you know, Central African and um, Kalahari Copper Belt, the two different ones. So I think we could be seeing more action there. Again, just a punt. I'm going to go. Ooh, can I pick two? Sure, mate. Romelius to buy Carousel Dam or, and or, it'll be Albemarle JV to buy Lime Town and the Kemerton. You heard it here first. Uh, who's the and who's the album male JV with either Gina or either Minrez? I don't know. There's a bit going on. That's a, that's, a, that's an out there call, Matty. <laughs> <laughs> ah, right, hey, boys. Hey, I'll be uh, anyone's in Sydney or Melbourne for the Gold Series. Hit us up for a beer. I'll be having plenty. And right, if anyone's in Melbourne that wants to watch the State of Origin with me, I need some. Um, oh, it's all bloody AFL territory here. I'm gonna go off. I'm gonna probably gonna get my head punched in in the city yelling out. Something Queensland related. So, right, boys. Hooteroo. Hooteroo, lads. Cheers, money miners. Hooteroo. The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation, and needs.